So I listened what? to um, not all of the one you did with your dad, but some of it. Um, oh. uh, it was very good. It was interesting to hear, like, because you're quite different in some ways. <laughs> but it's My also God. interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I suppose he's... He's got... It just feels like he had a very uh, different kind of upbringing, I guess. Like, just this idea of... Um, you know, like the work ethic and how important that is. Like, I'm not saying you don't have a good work ethic. It's more just like, it seems, what seems to drive you, at least to me, is not that feeling that like, I need to be a hard worker or something. Like, I know you do work really hard. I mean, you're you're putting out like a crazy number of podcasts, but like, feels like more of a need for self like exploration or, or um, expression rather than something like, you know, needing to like get that kind of financial security or, or, or I'm not exactly sure if he's super, I mean, like for him, it's almost like, yeah. Cause even with the paper route and the, yeah, I don't, I don't want to like psychoanalyze him, but, but at the same time, it seems like he's quite driven by, by, uh, th- that feeling. I don't know. Just, just, um, money basically. Do you think that's true? Or? But he, that's the whole question of the right. podcast. Yeah. Are you, were you Are, motivated by yeah. money? And the mm. answer's no, because right. I got so lost in that. But right. I now know what I was chasing, which is so classic. It's like, I didn't feel good enough. Right. So it's like, how do I prove that I am good enough? Yes. What labels can I associate? So As in you, not me. Him. Me, yeah, me. Yeah. So I was like, Investment banking. If right. I work at a bulge bracket bank yes. and I can say, this is me, so then it's like, I'm good enough. It's like, am I good enough yes. now? And do you think that's what's driving him or? No. No. Not at all. Because he seems to care more about money. Is that is that right or wrong? No. No. He doesn't care about... No, no, no. So he has been looked at me doing all these things like going to camp, being obsessed with labels and, you know, what are these people doing and what's this and I want to achieve this and rah, like, and he's like, why do you, he said something to me because this is this thing I ask people for feedback of like, what, what do you think I'm, where can I improve in my life? Like, what are the, anyway. One of the things he said was, you are taken by baubles. Okay, right. Interesting. Which I'd never heard that phrase. Have you right. heard that, have you heard that phrase? Bauble is like a shiny thing? or so that you is put it on like... a Christmas tree. Okay, yes. Yeah. So he's like, why did you... And we talked about this in our last episode with mm. the university rankings. Like, I was obsessed. Oh, it's yeah. like, I have to go mm. Ivy League. That's a mm. label mm. that I want to associate myself mm. with. Mm. Like, um... He's like, why are you so, you know, I just say things like, I want to be in the house of Lords. Right. Okay. <laughs> he's yeah, just yeah. like, why? <laughs> why? Why? And because I, it's an insecurity thing that it's like, I, I, instead of following my own path, it's like, I need mm. to try. And so, and you see this all the time, you know, people who reach the top of their game and they're like, 
am I good enough now, dad, mm, that mm, I've won? Mm, Mine's mm, not mm. to do with my dad. Mine's, but, you know, that I've won this gold medal. And yes. then they're still not, it still doesn't fill that hole. Mm, mm. So then they end up, and these are, I can't wait to have some of these conversations with people who yes. have reached whatever thing that they thought would fill this, this void. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't have that. Right. It's like he's so focused on his, but yeah, it is. But he is um, driven, and it seems like I don't know if it's like a need for safety, like because. But it, he he really it seems like he attaches to this idea of like the work ethic, like like he thinks it's important to work hard and like provide for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like in like does, yeah. Do you agree? With so that? that's a political value. That's like okay. it, on a spectrum of should the government be taking okay. care of me or should I be taking care of myself? Yes. It's full individual responsibility. Right we are out there um you know it's that yes it's on that spectrum and that's why i really encourage people you know people get so with politics it so becomes of course about what country they live in but you know and populism and this and blah blah what their friends are doing but it's Mm. like if you these surveys have you ever done like political compass uh, I think so, but not for many years. Yeah. So you look at like, cause it's not just left, right. It's, mm. um, authoritarian versus, versus libertarian. libertarian. Yeah. And so if you go through these set of, I think <laughs> <laughs> if you go through these set of, if that doesn't put you off. <laughs> no, I, what I realized is I'm pro democracy. I right. am pro that mean you can sit down together and yeah. not kill each other mm. when, whilst we might too. have do you know what i mean like yes, there are countries the where you can't have a different right sexual preference or you can't have a different um you know you whatever in mm-hmm. i'm just hearing something back there so i'm gonna close this um but that's really what i want for this for the world and for this podcast and this is what i've thought about Oh my God, this is so interesting. We can just say so much about this. But I realized this with, um, which I feel like this is a good time to say, because I always bring up Joe Rogan when I talk about this. And because what I'm saying, so if you're, and you've just said that you've never really listened to him. So here's a perfect example for me to explain. So what he does is he has long form conversations that right. are unedited, like literally like this, we just started recording, like we don't, mm. well, obviously I don't know exactly what goes on, but as you listen to it, it's unedited. They're just doing exactly what you did. Like, oh, got to run to the, you know, cause someone go for three hours and it's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to the Let's toilet or whatever. Yeah. And he asks the stupid question, like he will, it's just curiosity and mm. he will really ask the questions mm. and then that's what makes it for such good listening because mm. other people want to know this but it's very scary to admit that mm. you don't know stuff whatever mm-hmm. but so i'm like oh my god i love it that it's like this long form agenda like very like honest like candid mm. and the way he started so i've gone back and looked at 12 years ago how did he start yeah. and i love it because i'm like oh brian's on again and it's like yeah because when he started yes. it's like the same like his comedian friends or whatever Mm. and they're just talking and it's like it's just like this rubber it's so different to what it is now right but it's still out there so it's like you can still listen to those early episodes yeah and so that's what i use as my guiding thing because i'm like 
okay, he started like, re- it's like really imperfect, mm. but it's just out there. Yes. And, but that doesn't mean to say, so when I'm like, Joe Rogan, whatever, some people, so this is so interesting. So some people are like, have this strong reaction. So an American guy mm. who you met as well, he was like, oh, okay. So like, middle middle america super religious mm. racist mm. gun loving rara and i was mm. like whoa like whoa. i didn't yeah. <laughs> i that's not how i think of it yeah because yeah. and then i'm like oh because i don't i'm not in the u.s and i'm not in this political and now i'm really rejecting that in all aspects of life i don't want this thing of like associate like this person is this party and that means yes you know it's so I agree, black yeah, and white like this kind of categorical thinking where you say oh uh, like because like I have this idea that they belong in this category and therefore I know all these other things about them or something like that is that it or yeah that's mm. exactly it so I feel like by me saying Joe Rogan that then some people are like oh so she's like agrees with using racist language or something which is like absolutely not, not yeah. like just because and then I think that I mean but it's like Michael Jack. If you're playing Michael Jackson's music, is that like, oh, you support pedophilia? Yeah, or yeah. You know, it's like. Or if you like Kant, are you a racist? <laughs> he yeah. Was very racist. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and then that's all the like tearing down the statues, like oh this, but like mm. blah blah blah. Um, but I realized as well with um someone else that oh yeah so the Joe Rogan thing by the way so interesting because someone I said that to one one of my friends because they're like oh what's the podcast and i it's just easy to be like oh you know everyone knows yes. most people know him so it's hard and to his style anyway. so yeah but it's just me being lazy of like but then i realized when people anyway fine but someone was like you should not be Saying listening that. to that oh, right, kind right. of stuff and right. then i but guess it's quite judgmental isn't it <laughs> yeah and i'm also like I don't really believe in telling other people what they shouldn't shouldn't listen to or read. Yeah, like I should. I don't like the word should mm-hmm. because anyway, that's like a whole thing in psychology as well. Because when you say that to yourself, mm. I shouldn't eat this. You're it's like you're punishing yourself, and it's not nice to treat yourself like that. Yeah, anyway. I've had this discussion with friends before because I, when I say should, I I'm often like, oh, I should you know do this thing. Like like to me, it doesn't feel like a kind of it doesn't feel as heavy as it seems to feel for other of my friends where like it's like a judgmental thing whereas i'm like oh i should message this person or you know like oh i should try out this other new thing you know what i mean and but i think for other people it becomes this kind of judgment or Mm -hmm. something like that and I, i don't feel like i have that to the same degree so when so i have found it annoying with a few particular friends who are like don't say should and i'm like I mean, what, like, can't I just say what I want? Like, <laughs> Well, that's what I... That comes back to my thing <laughs> yeah, of saying. not telling people what they should mm. and shouldn't do because they're saying you shouldn't say right. should. Mm-hmm. Because, but how would... But then that's an example of it. Because if I say to you, you shouldn't read a book by this person. Yes. You wouldn't like that. No, I wouldn't like that, no. <laughs> and I wouldn't <laughs> like it if you told me I shouldn't listen to Joe Rogan or I shouldn't, you know, like, it's just like, like, I have, as I told you before, I have like not really listened to him, but like, 
I've heard, you know, some criticisms about him. And so then to if people... With um, COVID or the... Actually, no. Um, yeah, there, some of that. And then... Um, some... Are we, are we live? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this whole thing is great. I like it. It's all of it. I um, hope my dad so... doesn't mind us talking about him. But... <laughs> um, oh, now I feel very self-conscious about no, that. anything I said about your dad. No, don't worry. Um, but uh, the... Just about his intelligence, basically. <laughs> what about now so, some, I'll just say that some people have said to me that they don't find him that intelligent, and so then, oh, Joe Rogan, yes, or my dad, not your dad, <laughs> not your dad. Your dad seems very intelligent. <laughs> but that's but the beauty. Any... But that's the beauty of it, right? Mm. Because and that's given me permission. Because I had this whole thing like, oh, my, I'm not clever enough, and oh, yes. I can't do this until I've read every single book. Right. And it's like, well, then you're never going to. You're and people say that yeah, is yeah. a tendency that women have more this under over preparing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have but, that a little bit too, actually. But yeah. So that's what, but that's actually what's motivated me. And Izzy talked about in that her podcast. I didn't say it there that she wanted to do um, mechatronics because no, there are no women. And it's like this okay. thing. And yeah. I really have that and I've had that through my life. Oh, and interesting I that there aren't fun- enough female podcasters. Or- no, there's mm. female podcasters, but not, and maybe I'm wrong and people can tell me, but when I look at the men, oh, the podcasters who go out and say, I don't really know what I'm doing. This isn't mm. a, per- but I'm releasing episodes. Mm. I'm talking to people. I'm having interesting conversations. I'm, I might not be that smart. I'm not an expert, but I want to learn and it's, I'm not editing it. Um, I see, yeah, Joe Rogan and um, Chris Williamson's another guy who's in this space who's like learning out loud. Mm. And he, and I've also looked back to follow him, like what's the first episode? And then this thing that it's not perfect and it just evolves. Yeah. I don't see many women doing that. Mm. And I'm like, why do women's have to be so prepared and not, only women like men do this as well like one of our friends told us about how he was cut out like you know perfectionist about the audio quality like cut out every Mm. time he said um Mm. so it's not only women that do this but i just saw okay why is it that there doesn't seem to be any women who are saying i'm just going to put something out Mm. there that's not super like i've done all the research you know i'm talking to brian i've spent like four hours researching Mm. his life to come prepared with questions and i'm gonna edit out all these bits where it's awkward and where i say um and where you have to close the door i'm like no why should i if there are other men doing like that's the motivator for me that i'm like these guys are doing that and that's the motivator that i'm Mm. like he he's just this wwe comedian whatever you know but he's taught like how cool is that that he is talking to any of like the most interesting authors like academics mm, mm, mm. he has you know like elon musk went on that bernie Sanders, like people from all sat and then mm, mm. yeah i think he got a bit obsessed with covid and that's but it's like i want to do that like who cares what yeah. and now that's an insecurity thing but now it's like okay i have a master's from cambridge i'm not the smartest person in the world but who can't, like why do I need to be the smartest person no in the you world? don't and I, like to be clear like there, for me it's more just like 
it's as simple as like some people I know don't like him and that judgment but like from that it's not like I wouldn't listen to him and it's not like I would tell you you shouldn't listen to him like I would definitely want to have my own opinion and like think about it and even if I totally didn't like him or something and knew him well then I would ask you like oh what do you like about him rather than being like you shouldn't it just seems like you know this shouldn't I, I agree that I mean for me personally in my own life like I'm fine with me saying oh, I should start a poetry WhatsApp or something, which I did, you know? <laughs> or, like, and, and in my mind, it starts as a should. Like, oh, this would be a cool thing to do, you know? Like, or we should record a podcast this Saturday, you know, like, that kind of thing. And it doesn't feel, like, kind of judgmental. But but when I totally agree that when it's, like, between people, like, oh, you should not, you know, talk about this or you should not listen to that, then, yeah, I, I don't like that kind of should. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right, yeah. And that... So then what happened, which is interesting, my another friend of mine, one of my um, really good friends, he, I told him, because I'm like, he's, a, um, be, he listens to a lot of Joe Rogan, and he is, he's a big lefty. Like mm-hmm. he, right? So for me, so I told him what had happened with this other friend. Which is like completely fine. I'm not, this stuff happens all the time that mm. people, anyway, you know, people, it's like, oh, why are you reading the Telegraph or something, mm, you know? Mm, mm, mm. Um, but. Yeah, I don't really like any of that. Like, it just, I don't know. Is Like, I feel like go in and make your own judgment of things and like, don't adhere to categories. There's like, even people that I, in my head are, people that I'm pretty sure represent the exact opposite of everything that I believe. And I have intentions to go in and read their books to like find out what I think about what they're saying and like what, you know, what it's like within that argument. You know what I mean? So, and I don't, like, I just think that's an important thing to do. Like, I actually think it's important to kind of challenge your own beliefs or categories through experience, right? Like, and if you're just, judging a book by its cover or something then you don't get that experience right mm. Mm. like so if you told me you should listen to this joe rogan podcast i would 100 percent listen to it i would never be like oh well i heard he's like this or that you know what i mean mm. or or any anything like that like mm. you know but i guess what i do respect is like um you know the opinions of people who have like given me good recommendations in the past you know what i mean so like as in if it's just someone I completely randomly met and I have know nothing about them and they're like, you must watch this movie, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, maybe. Like, And maybe I would, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't. But if it's like a friend that has given me really, really good recommendations in the past, then I would take it more seriously. So I think there is that element. I don't know, how do you feel about... Yeah, so what... <laughs> so what happened with... Wait, I'll come yeah, back to that. Sorry. What happened with this friend was he was so upset... Mm. As in, so about the Joe Rogan thing. It, the, the, another friend. So, her thing of telling me not to listen to him mm. was the same thing of like, that's like extreme right wing. Like, wow. Um, that's the idea, right? Like, that's like Fox News. That's like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a category thing. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe you're saying Joe Rogan's name. That's the same as saying that wow. you're an anti-vaxxer who's racist. Who, you know, mm-hmm. that's the idea. Like, none of this is said, this is the subconscious thing. And that's my interpretation. And so when I said it to him, 
but, and he is like n- opposite of that, mm-hmm. right? And he gets upset. Someone said, oh my, on the first podcast we did, we said, I don't know, we mentioned Joe Rogan and then um, another friend of mine messaged him like, and we mentioned John Peterson and they were like, you mentioned like two extreme right-wing people. And he was like, Joe Rogan wants to legalize heroin. Like, how is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but so he was so upset that mm. someone had said, because he was like, I don't, they don't even know him. Like these mm. people, like they haven't even listened to him, but they're saying, anyway. So, I, but then for me, this all comes back to the like mainstream me or like outrage me. Mm. I don't want to say mm. mainstream because main street, like the financial times is mainstream, mm-hmm. right? but they're not publishing this outrage. Yes. Yeah. All like as much as, as much as <laughs> some, yeah. and so that's what it's like this device basically this whole podcast is to like break down that Those divides, divides yeah. mm-hmm. of this type of person mm. does x y and z things yes. therefore yeah it's the categories mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. you can't and so for this podcast another person who we both know i was thinking <laughs> so i was thinking oh my god this guy is so interesting like i'd love to have him on he's totally deep he's like massive lefty mm. whatever great i was like so interesting and then i was like i don't know much about this person mm. i bet he has some like weird like i was just like i bet there's some weird like sex stuff like weird <laughs> relationship like because and i was like because i can't because sometimes i just no, get a sense a sense of like no don't but sometimes <laughs> i just get a sense of like i really want to talk i and you, I didn't even know that you had that views, mm. but it's something like that. I sense that you're an open-minded person that even though we don't have the same views on every, like, or the same, what are, it's like, who, where do those values even come from? Mm-hmm. Who even knows? But we have the same value that we can have a conversation mm. and we're allowed to read books and we're not going to burn them. Yes. But, and mine have switched many times over the years. So <laughs> I'm yeah. old enough for that to have happened. I feel like, yeah. But so then I was like, okay, I can't, if I'm going off the sense, for example, another one is my, a guy was fixing something with my roof and he's started, we started talking about this depression and I don't know, within like five minutes, we were just, and he told me about his friend who'd had a drug problem and Mm. talks openly about suicide. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy just messaged this guy on Instagram. Like, we can't find podcast. I know nothing about this guy. This Mm. guy... And I don't, like, that's not my job with this podcast to fully vet. Like, if I, you know, how do I know if what you did 20 years ago? Mm. But I'm not taking responsibility for your action by me having this conversation Mm -hmm. with you. And because I even hear, you know, there's like, I was watching this documentary that had about trauma. Mm. Gabor Mate, do you know him? Yes. He's so cool. Um, he, but they're like talking about. He's in London in the next few weeks, I think. Oh my god! Can we meet? Him? <laughs> um, he's giving a talk, I think. Yeah. Anyway, we can talk about that later. But yeah. So they're they're in prison and they're talking about. There's a scene of them in prison talking about, wow, what happened to them in their childhood and that they, you know, there are people who a guy's murdered someone mm. but and he's done all this healing work and it's like obviously you've murdered someone that's this thing that he has to live with and he's in prison for the rest of his life but he's doing this healing work mm. and it's like that would be 
such a cool conversation to mm. learn from that guy and have him to talk. You know, it was so amazing watching it. But it's like, by me talking to that guy, does that mean I support murder? Like, murder? Like, obviously, obviously not. not. yeah. And so Mate we- had a conversation with him or... Because he has a podcast, right? No, it's this documentary called The Wisdom of Trauma. Okay. That he... Yeah, I heard him on a podcast and he mentioned it. And it's one of those things that you like donate if anyone's interested in watching it you just go to with wisdom of trauma.com and then it's like you can donate to watch it or something but it's really because i really love finding this stuff to watch about like you know spirituality there's so many podcasts and books Mm. but it's like where else can you go where people are like i've suffered with this addiction or like depression and some inspirational type thing mm, mm. and it's because you know a lot of tv and stuff what are we even talking about anyway but you know a lot of tv and stuff is like really dark and not good mm. for the soul or yes. it's not enlightened which is what we were going <laughs> to be talking yeah, about yeah we we're going to talk about enlightenment so I, one thing i wanted to say about the categories because that's a, something i'm super interested in is like what is the creation of these categories what what effects do categories have on the brain and stuff um that jessica nordell book the end of bias talks about this like in children which is you, you can just make up categories like blue and yellow in a classroom and then you sort the kids randomly and if you refer to them then they'll start essentializing the categories and say well obviously the yellows are smarter than the blues even though it was completely random you know what i mean like they'll, they'll they start to attach meaning to it so it has these effects on your brain even if those categories are essential are totally random you know and i've been thinking a lot about it actually the thing that i was i've been thinking about this week is what i don't like is opinions so i have an opinion about opinions basically i i i just for myself let's say i don't like having opinions about abstract categories so like having an opinion about something specific is kind of okay but it's like having an opinion about a category it's just like already becomes a mess because like what's in that category like who created it do we both agree what even is in that category you know like the more abstract the term becomes i always use the example of capitalism it's like what even do you mean you know often people don't mean the same thing when they say that word same thing with democracy same thing they're like any of these really abstract patriarchy terms. as well patriarchy probably. yeah mm. yeah exactly feminism what do you mean by feminism there's like there's like a bunch of different it, it has this like long history or there's ones that are much older than that truth is the one that one of the ones that i'm working on logic like um those are terms that everyone thinks they know what they mean but if you actually use them in a conversation and then you ask them what do they mean by it often they give different definitions and so it's like you know to have a strong opinion one way or the other on these abstract categories it seems like a problem whereas like something like oh listen to this podcast because i thought it was good or you know like this restaurant is good or whatever you know like that i'm fine with having an opinion and and in fact i have strong opinions on those kind of things but having a strong opinion on like the market or something it's like it's so abstract that i don't think people mean you know what i mean like everyone's experience of it is different and and what they even mean by it is different i think you know but people will project the thing so the thing with podcasts if i sent um saying i think this is like listen to this podcast it's so interesting you know it's like for example one of the most interesting coming back to joe rogan is 
episodes anyway is um this woman who escaped from Mm. north korea and it's like talking about her story oh interesting yeah it's so interesting right so but to send that it's clearly like you're sending it because it's like oh here's a very interesting story about Mm. north korea and about this woman's life but people just the name like the categories are so strong that people have categorize do you know what i mean it's like oh my god this is an offensive name instant reaction to it yeah Mm. or saying i have this happens with my newsletter all the time when i'm like oh i want to i was so scared to say Mm. um a passage out of jordan peterson's book about that's really helped me and continues to help me that it's like if when you just have this pile of paperwork staring at you and it's like this stuff has built up over years of stuff that you just haven't faced and it's just this chaos Mm. in your environment Mm. and it's like can you like um talk to yourself and you've read the book do you remember this bit um this is 12 rules for life yeah i have read it i don't remember this i don't think so it's like you make a deal with yourself and you're like can you give me five minutes like let's work let's okay. sit with it for five minutes mm. that's it five minutes and yeah. then i will will go and get a coffee together yes. and it's like talking to yourself in that way and not being like oh this is so pathetic like mm. and not you can't do five minutes and then be like oh well i'm gonna do more it's like no you made this deal with yourself mm. and you honor that deal and that genuinely has helped me so much and i feel like helps and i continue to use that through my life and he and i think that will potentially help a lot of other people so i want to share that but it's like i was so scared that by mentioning his name but it's not it's like with gwyneth paltrow okay this i'm just too (laughs) sensitive because i'm like oh my god i know that some people don't like gwyneth paltrow Mm. so the first time i mentioned her in my thing in my newsletter it was like um yeah, I had to say something like, shoot me, like, I love, like, guilty or mm. whatever. Like, I'm a GP fan. To, like, caveat but it's like, it or Yeah, something. but it's like, it's like, if you like, it's like a preference, you know, it's like, if you like vanilla ice cream, mm. you don't have to be like, oh my God, so sorry to offend someone who... Yeah, I'm having this issue with Heidegger, <laughs> who's like a German philosopher who was basically a Nazi. And so it's like, everyone always has to kind of say this, that he has this sort of problematic, you know, um, and actually there's other people that, when was, I mean, he's writing in the twenties, thirties, forties. And, um, so, and did he fight with, with the Nazis? No, he was just, I actually don't know the exact details, but, um, he definitely was sort of aligned with them. And it's like, philosophically yeah and was in germany and yeah so but he has some ideas that are just really useful but you always end up doing this thing oh um there's did you see any of the videos i did recently the philosophy ones or (laughs) (laughs) which ones um i've done i I know i've done too many the one i did recently on it was called Philosophy as Methodology. It was a few weeks ago. Where are you posting these? YouTube. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when you send me stuff... Yes. Yeah. 
bad at this stuff. No, no, don't worry. Then I, I watch it. So if you've okay. sent it to me. I don't think I have, actually. So I will send it to you. I was very I, nervous I'm about not it. like a person who uses YouTube. Right, okay. Yeah, that's okay. Um, the So in that one I'm talking about, he has this idea of that objects can either be ready to hand or present at hand. And the idea is that like you just picked up the water and the you know that object is ready to hand in the sense that you know it contains water you want the water so you just pick it up and it's like pretty much it's like transparent it's like unconscious it's like almost like an expression of your will whereas if you were like if i were to say like um what do you think of the color of that water bottle then it changes the quality the kind of folk like element of focus you know what i mean rather than being this ready to hand like a tool that you can just use and express your will through then it becomes like an object in itself that you're looking at you know what i mean so like okay the, i think the classic examples are like a light switch which is like when you come in the room you you flip the switch and the light comes on and you don't think about the switch at all but if if the light doesn't come on then you're like oh the switch didn't work you know what i mean and so it's like flips you into this other mode where you're like suddenly highly conscious of the switch as a switch. Whereas normally when you walk into the room, there's just zero thought on the switch, right? So he talks about these ideas. Yeah, so that's one of his ideas that, I, that I'm talking about. And But anyway, he's someone that people always need to caveat. And there, and I, how do you caveat it? Like, yes, I know he was a Nazi. He was a Nazi, but yeah, exactly. And there are problematic, I mean, um, yeah, now I just feel like I'm gonna out all the Nazis that, that <laughs> How have they already I mean, been the, outed? Yeah, they've already been outed. I mean, some have been outed more than others. So. Or are you part of some secret Nazi No, and I'm not in group. any way um, sympathetic to the Nazis. But it's like, okay, the other, the other two guys, one I think is very famously known as a Nazi, and the other is not. And one is uh, Louis Ferdinand Céline, the French. He's a French novelist. He writes about um, the early. He writes about the First World War. And the, he, basically, he's got this. It's an it's an absolutely incredible book. It might be the best novel of the twentieth century. It's like really? insane. Yeah, and What's it's called Voyage au bout de la nuit or Journey to the End of the Night. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's a novel, but it's like super autobiographical, and it's just about him. And so anyway, he's he's a very problematic figure because he becomes in Vichy France. He, he becomes aligned, or he writes all these anti-Semitic tracts. Wow, okay, so he, because that's what I was going to ask, like, does yes. he fundamentally, you know, because yes. there are so many different levels, like, it could be some kind of cowardly thing, like, or not, or survival thing, you know, yes, they, yes. in Auschwitz, it's like people who have, um, you know, Jewish doctors who would then have these different positions, and then they feel all this guilt. Yes, oh and my the God. capos, yeah. It's I just horrible, read this amazing yeah. book about um, someone who he was working for the chemical factory that mm. made the gas from the, yeah. Mm. And it's like such a complicated thing because he's trying to survive, you know, because yes. what are you meant to do? Not I do think it. the inventor then... of that, wasn't that, um, uh, what's his name? Haber of the Haber Bosch process. I think he was Jewish. One of the guys who developed Cyclone B and he also, but it's like this complicated thing. Cause he also, 
He also discovered the process of artificial nitrogen fixation, which like both is used in explosives and it's also like where all fertilizer comes from. So it's like, there's like 6 billion people that just couldn't even be alive if it weren't for this thing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was like that was used for, you know, explosives basically, Mm -hmm. which were, you know, like the second world war would never, or like would never have been as deadly as it was without this process. So there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of like complicated things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's a difference between that someone doing something for survival or, you know, the women yes. who slept with German men because that for their safety, like they had to allow themselves be yes. raped by these men or whatever versus someone who's like, like I Celine. genuinely believe that the Jewish race should be exterminated. Yeah, and that, so is that guy in that camp? It, yeah, the, the anti-Semitic... It's one of those things where you always hear about it and then you're like, I read some of them just to be like how bad are they and they're really bad basically Wait, what he writes he wrote i think like seven anti-semitic tracks in like the 30s or 40s and like you always hear that celine had this problematic history but he so he's french and like i don't i don't think it's like a defense but he he has a pretty bad time in the first world war like he's like he's released from uh duty like he, he's basically seen as like insane and discharged by the french army but this is like a crazy thing to happen because the french army was still doing the like roman i think it's like called decimation or something like that where like for cowardice if for like not the um the kubrick film paths of glory from the 50s is about this which is like for for cowardice they were just killing every 10th person and so like in order for you to get discharged by the French army during the first world war for being too crazy, it's like you must, they must've been like, wow, this guy really needs help because they were still executing people for cowardice in the first world war. So Celine was like very messed up. Like there's no question that he was very messed up, but it it is like this kind of, uh, there's a lot, we can think of much more, you know, recent people who have got these, problematic things of they did some incredible work and they also have these terrible sides to their personality well that's even people use that okay i don't know why this came into my head but like people say that with um oh martin luther king Mm. jr cheated on his wife and Mm. you know but it's like what it's like yeah we're all human Mm -hmm. like we all make mistakes and do things we're not obviously there's different levels and then that's why i mean this is a whole area i know nothing about but like that's why we have like the justice system and Mm, if mm, you mm. do murder someone yeah you go but then that's why it's so interesting now in this culture Mm. with the cancel culture thing whether that's real or not but the fact that with social media that you can just be deleted so it's not even like because if you murder someone you're not deleted Mm. you're sent somewhere for a sentence that's like all decided Mm. it whereas with social media it's just like oh someone's decided to delete this account because of whatever Mm. and people feel so passionately Mm. about this Mm. with i mean so i can imagine people just switching this off being like but trump should be never like Mm -hmm. but it's like where where did these rules come from like there's no because even with the after the war with the nut you know there's the denazification new- or uh, well, the trial the nuremberg yeah. trials mm-hmm. right so it's like that it's not just like oh my god the nazis obviously but it's like there's a proper mm. 
process. And now well, it's like but when... most people weren't subject to it. It was there. It was really just the kind of highest level that kind of got most of that. The um, if you're interested in in that topic, there's a fantastic documentary called Shoah um, about the death camps. It's like ten hours long, but it's it's amazing, and it's basically only people who because at that time both in france and germany when, at the time that the film was made in the mid 70s uh maybe early 70s it was like uh super easy to just find people who had worked in the death camps and were just living their lives basically and so the director claude landsman um just goes around interviewing these guys and they're like the most they're crazy because most people weren't tried you know including ones that worked in these, not not in the, I mean, of course, the ones that worked in the concentration camps, you know, many of them went free, but also there are, like there are four, maybe there's more, as I could be wrong about this, but there's some camps that were only for killing, basically. So Treblinka and I think Chelmno or something like that. And that, so people that worked at those um, were also around and most of them were not tried. So... But, wow, and they're interviewed in this documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is it like they're evil people or they're people doing their job or that it's just a whole messed up thing? It's complicated, is what I would say. I, I highly recommend it, especially if you're thinking about what, yeah, about interviewing ethics and things like that. It's, I mean, it's a lot, but it's like, and and it's a lot to recommend to someone, but it but it I think it's a really important film. It's really important that it exists, and I think it's important to watch it. So and it's, and also about just interviewing ethics because sometimes they don't know they're being recorded. Uh, in other cases, they do. So yeah. Interesting. As as I recall, it's probably been ten years since I've seen it. <laughs> but so my thing now with this whole that idea of, oh my God, I might interview someone and then I find out, you know, mm. 20 years ago they raped someone or mm. something, right? It's, and some, the, <laughs> someone said this to me and he's like, you have to imagine like you've interviewed someone and now you find out they're a pedophile right. and imagine how that feels. And I'm like, the why? Fun- <laughs> <laughs> no, as in to get over that you will, you can oh, survive that. So it won't. Like- that fear like that could happen and mm. that's fine but for me it's so weird the fear i thought he was saying you shouldn't do interviews because what if they're a pedophile or something like that no he's saying, <laughs> he's saying the opposite. no because it's impossible like how am i supposed to know about every single thing that has ever happened in mm. anyone's life but my fear is less that i'm kind of i'm fully it's like yeah i'm not supporting me associating with someone like through a podcast does not mean I support like the decisions they they're their own person. Yeah. But my fear is I get so because the because my thing is, my fear is like abandonment of people in my life like mm. my friends and family suddenly not speaking to me. Right. Or something like that. It's like that's the irrational fear. Mm. So mine is like the that's why I'm so sensitive on the Joe Rogan thing. But my thing is I get even like last night I was talking about how I met this woman as a like fem- as like a woman who's um, like a kind of female role model type mm. person. 
And, but I was so scared to say that I'd met her because she has her political alliance, mm. allegiance, whatever, mm. is really like public. She was worked for a prime minister. Is it Marine Le Pen? No. <laughs> okay, but it could be equivalent of like yes. someone who's worked with Marine Le Pen. And yes. I'm like, okay, I am or someone who's worked for Trump. And I'm like, I'm meeting this woman because she's like, really similar in the during thing like she's inspiring to me because she's really brave and like has gone out and done this thing i don't so i don't i'm Endorse. not meeting her because of her political views yes. i'm meeting her because of this right but yes. i am so scared to that's the thing i need to get mm. over but i think i guess that's the thing if people that would be so sad if one of my friends is like i just will never speak to delia again because she interviewed someone who voted for this political party. Right. It's yeah, like, I can see how that's, uh... but I think that's like, I can't live. That's a people pleasing thing. It's like, I can't, I'm being too sensitive about trying to manage everyone else's emotions, mm. but it's like, um, yeah, it's just like, well, my, my values is exactly what you're saying about we can read books and learn mm. and that's how you challenge your thinking as well mm-hmm. and if someone doesn't agree with that that's fine i respect that because there are whole countries that don't mm. agree with that but it's like i don't think that's the best way for humans to live by burning books or yes i just think it's bad to have contempt prior to investigation <laughs> just like but that doesn't mean that you have to expose yourself to every, you know, thing that you, you know, but like, I do think it's important to stay open-minded. And I think what you're doing is important just in the sense of, yeah, having those conversations without regard to what you should or shouldn't be doing or who you shouldn't, should or shouldn't be speaking to. I think it's important. And like, we should be having those kind of conversations and maybe we'll get it wrong sometime and maybe there'll be backlash but hopefully if you know it's important to be in good faith right and so if both people can come in in good faith then whatever comes out of that will hopefully be something positive whereas it feels like a lot of I'm not really directly involved in a lot of the online stuff or whatever but what from the temperature i get from it a lot of it is just bad faith right and every once in a while i have like a little bit of that kind of interaction on twitter but i think that yeah mostly i'm dealing with philosophers who have been dead for a really long time and so then like nobody's nobody's that worked up about them although there are some as we've talked about yeah so what someone might say why are you discussing his work he no, Heidegger um, seems, people don't seem to often, like, I could treat, tweet about Heidegger and it wouldn't be a problem, I think. Um, in fact, I, I have and I haven't gotten backlash from that. Maybe I'll get backlash from this conversation. Uh, Kant, as well, um, has quite racist views, as I said earlier. Um, what kind of racist views? Well, he just thinks that he kind of seems to think that non-Europeans aren't capable of things like philosophy. So basically just that their brains are not 
wired up or that they're not intelligent enough or, or something like that. And so the, and often, again, the passages are quite bad if you read them, but I think most people don't read them. So, that, so I think it's like, I think it's important to read Celine and also read the anti-Semitic things and come to your own decision, like about what you think about all that. It's hard, but it, you know, well, the Unibomber is another example. Oh, yeah, right? the Unibomber, yeah. That you... That we were talking about. Did I... I oh, no. So I saw that on Twitter. Someone did a thread yes. of 10 things. You know, the Unibomber is... So he's the guy who... He killed people with what? Uh, yeah. Mail bombs, yeah. So it says that. It's like he's one of the most whatever. Mm. It, it says very clearly he did this bad stuff and but from his manifesto he was also one of the whatever thinkers and from his manifesto here are 10 things you know classic twitter threads (laughs) and it was laid out in such a i think it they just really nailed it to that it's like no one's endorsing this person's behavior but he did write this manifesto yes. and he spent a lot of time thinking about why society is the way it is. Mm. And he, I've read it and and I guess that's... Have you read it? No. Okay. This is me saying Sorry. the person. I think I read... Um, I started reading... I'm just like, oh, I get to... I start reading things and I'm like, ah, I want to talk about mm-hmm. I told you this. And then I'm like, don't. I've started so I many books. I recommend reading it. It's called um, Industrial Society and Its Future, I think. It's often referred to as the Unabomber Manifesto, but it, it was like titled, and he had it published in, um, yeah, the Times and the, I think the Washington Post or something like that. And the, I think it is an important piece to read and it also does not encourage violence. It basically says, look, this, the problems that are pointed out in this document, like can't, like they're going to, everything's going to get worse before it gets better. And so every person has to make their own decision about like what, and he does talk about the question of violence, but he doesn't actually encourage violence, even though he himself committed acts of violence at the same time. It's coming out now, I think, or maybe this has been known for a while, but there's, you know, all these CIA documents have been declassified and they experimented on him actually. So he, I think he, I don't know whether it was part of the MK ultra program or whatever, but they were giving him doses of it's come out that the CIA was like testing out all kinds of mind control operations and giving people huge amounts of LSD. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think I don't want to like, lead people astray but like all these things that we thought sounded like crazy conspiracy theories are like now coming out as like no that was something that happened and i think they experimented on ted kaczynski and i think they also who's the unibomber the unibomber yes why why where does the is it unibomber it's unibomber and i think come from so it's what is it universities and airlines or something like that that he targeted i don't know exactly but yeah i mean the overall thing from i'm trying to think if i can we've yeah we did talk about this didn't we because we were talking about we talked about the unibomber manifesto you told me as part of this group i was like oh what is this 
group that meets do and we discuss stuff yes <laughs> and we discuss oh and you were like potentially controversial i was like stuff i was like mm. oh what's well, controversial yeah we and did read the Unabomber manifesto um and i've actually since met someone who did his like i think it was a political philosophy degree and he focused on the unabomber recently did you talk to him oh no 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 because okay. oh no anyway. this guy was he a professor at harvard or he no studied he, there? i think he studied there and then yeah he was he was a really smart guy yeah and and very messed up by the kind of torture they mm. did to him it seems like and then i think his brother turned him in or something like that because yeah anyway the manifesto came out in the papers the yeah the over i think i mentioned this to you before like the overall argument is that like industrial society makes certain things too easy and other things like unattainable and so it's like he thinks in this kind of like view of the state of nature or whatever which of course is in itself problematic and you know people going back to nietzsche and Rousseau and Hobbes all have their different understandings of of what that might have been like, mainly on the basis of thought experiments. Although by the time of Rousseau, there was at least, I, I mean, even by the time of Hobbes, there was some contact with the new world. And th- that's probably what kicked a lot of this off, which is basically, oh, there seems to be these, a lot of other people on earth and they all live very, very differently from how we do. And so what is like the like if our culture is doing something to us, then what is it doing? And so those are all the questions that come up over those kind of years following the discovery of the new world, the the centuries really. And where was I going with that? Yeah, Kaczynski's kind of view of that is that in the state of nature, like most goals like seeking food, you know, seeking shelter, seeking mates, were these things that were like complicated things which like you had to put most of your energy and effort into those things that had like they were short-term goals but they were meaningful and they had this kind of like important quality of like they were difficult but attainable and he thinks that in modernity a lot of things that used to fall in those categories like getting food now it's like super easy to get food right like you basically just can go anywhere if you have money and you just get the food and there's no effort required at all and other things like working a job which fall in he he divides it up into categories that are like things that are kind of difficult but attainable things that are like so wait i'm trying to remember exactly what it is the the final one is like things that just never finish like maintenance tasks like you know showering or something it's not like you are like, okay, now I've showered and I don't need to ever do that again. You just kind of have to keep doing it. And he thinks that like, basically, oh yeah, so the two earlier categories are things that are easy to achieve and attainable and things that are like riskier or more difficult to achieve, but attainable. And he thinks that basically modernity wipes out the second category. So everything falls into this category of it's a survival need and it's, but it's really easy to attain or into this constant maintenance, like going to work thing where you just never finish. Like, and and all the things that are like risky and you might get it, but you might not, and it's difficult and you have to strive for it, but you then you get this kind of unreliable payoff that that category disappears entirely. 
not that we don't have anything that do, does that, but everything that we now have that falls into that category is what he calls a surrogate activity, which means that we have to make it up. So basically getting really good at golf or something like that. There's no survival need tied to that, but it fills this kind of need to kind of strive and get good at something kind of hard. But because it's now detached from survival needs, it's just made up. So like, or getting 10,000 Twitter followers or, you know, like it could be anything, right? Which is like these things that are essentially like games we make up to fill the fact that the actual survival needs are no longer difficult. <laughs> Does it make sense? Yeah. And that sounds... Reasonable. <laughs> like, um, but that's like, what's it called? Maslow's. Maslow's. Hierarchy. Hierarchy. That it's... Yeah. But this is why we can sit here and have this conversation. Yes, because we're all not starving. Our, yeah. And we've met those basic needs. And that's what I would be so interested in doing in my life. Somehow I need to figure this out. But it's something to do with making sure every human in our society. That's why I'm interested in exploring like universal basic income. Mm. But I don't know if it works because then it's like... Anyway, but so everyone's needs are met. Yeah. And now, because we have enough resources for that, mm. right? And now it's like, we're all on this playing field. Now go and follow your like purpose and your, what your deep like inner voice to do, whether mm. it's like to paint or like to have conversations like these or to do whatever. Mm-hmm. But that you also have to do, there's something about doing work that we need that because i've tried this to be like i'm removing everything from my life and like well because i was too sick to be working but then now i'm like oh work is good yeah it's not in a brainwashed way but it's like because that can get into a you know that's on the gates of um auschwitz so it's not in that way Mm. work sets you free it's not like that but it's like you don't need to I thought we were going to talk about Buddhism and uh, I instead know. we were like, getting get yeah, cancelled for talking that... about Nazis too much but this relates to that stuff oh my god it's all like connected but it's something it is like you don't feel it doesn't feel good to Mm. do nothing and Mm -hmm. to not help other humans and Mm. there's something it's like there's some kind of basic stuff that we need to do like we're connected we're social creatures like we need other humans i don't know so it's something like realizing like yes our needs are met Mm survival ones but how do we live fulfilled lives thrive yeah thrive and not about like oh keep producing and like blah 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 because why do we have that we have some humans we have this obsession to like keep building and keep Mm. i don't you know so many of the pro so many salute with um the climate it's like it's like oh why don't we like (laughs) we're fucked stuff up by like building too much with this resources why don't we like build this solution with these other resources it's like Mm. why don't we just like why are we why don't we like scale it back and be like why Mm. are we doing you know with electric vehicles or something now it's like all the copper and the mines and it's like child being children being exploited and it's like Mm. no one's questioning like what do we need cars like maybe we do need cars maybe Mm. we don't need but it's i don't know it's like something what am I even talking about? I don't know, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, 
we are very fortunate here mm. and most of the world is being you know if you read factfulness or something like that you can see this isn't people mm. have this view that it's like half the world is still like starving mm. it's it's the poverty rate has gone like obviously there's still i think it's like 800 million people are below the poverty line so mm. it's like though it's like still that until everyone's not living in poverty but we can get to that point where i don't know but then it's also like how eight billion people all it's like hard to think about Mm -hmm. because what are you meant to do about the people in north korea and this is why i think it is important you know stoicism has this idea about like dichotomy of control where there's like a lot of things in the world like whether the sun comes up tomorrow that you just can't control whereas there's other things like do we record a podcast that we can control right and they're they just think that in this dichotomy like the more things you care about that are not in your control like the less happy you'll be basically (laughs) and so it's like thinking about how to intervene not that you don't care about the wider issues but that maybe you know, and maybe you talk about them or write about them or something like that, but you kind of can't fix your happiness on them, on things that are completely out of your control. And at the same time, you don't really want that to like dissuade people, but it, it does feel like, like we're not on our own, right? We're, we're deeply interconnected, but it feels to me like at least my focus right now is on small groups and like collectives or like community or like, you know, you know, the kind of like these creative nights or, or other, other ways of like interacting with small communities to actually think about, you know, what would a better world look like and how could we intervene as a group rather? Cause I think as individuals, it's very difficult. Like it's, it's kind of hard to get anything done as an individual as I'm finding. And I was, I get what you're saying about work too. Cause I've now have not worked a job for like four years, I think. And it's a lot, I spend a lot of time managing myself, like as in, you know, I have to build all my own routines. I have to like, you know, like build all these structures and all this kind of stuff just to see people and just to, to do that kind of stuff. And so I, I definitely think that there is something to be said for, having a lot of that built in automatically that you actually like are part of a team or you are doing work and you you, a sense of shared purpose seems like incredibly important and if you have to build all of that from scratch it's like not easy like and you do you know you do lose something from from doing it on your own like a lot of people i think or like i do i also think there's huge problems with the way that work was going at least when when i was working four or five years ago it seems like actually covid might have improved some things in terms of like people's balance and how much they work and how much they go into the office and things like that i don't know Uh, i was listening to um esther perel was on this financial times weekend podcast thing that i was listening to about this thing at work which i feel so when i realized um i had all these thoughts like first principles what do you need like okay why do you need money like seriously i went back to basics Mm. why do you need money okay because to this is the system we're in like you need to pay for heating or you will literally die Mm. and that's the means we do it so you need to participate in that um 
And then it's like, okay, why with work? It's like, okay, there's lots of ways to get income. Yeah. Right. Which a lot of people will never come to that realization, but it's like first point, there's lots of ways to make money. It doesn't need to be in a traditional job. Um, but then, so then it was like, okay, if money's figured out, it's like money's figured out this and this and this, like following purpose. Great. But then it's like, oh my God, I am missing. Yeah working in a team being around human it's like yes being around humans to just say it's like oh what you know meaningless dumb stuff that mm. comes up in your head of like oh my cup of tea tasted i don't know some weird thought it's like you actually need well i don't know i need an outlet for that stuff mm-hmm. and so it's stuff like having people around but then also yeah the shared thing and so now that I am doing work for something that's bigger than me, that so much passion, this start, this um, clean energy startup. And yeah. it's like so cool because it's like, oh, this is like this solution and the people are so passionate and it's like, I'm contributing. And then it's confident. It's also like, I'm adding value to here. I'm like helping other people. They're like, and then it's like, I'm being rewarded for this in the system that we live in, which is like, okay, how do we, you know, because mm. we're not in a place where it's like, whatever where you okay anyway so but it's like being around people and now i'm working with the thing of my place of work and having a place to go it's like oh actually it's very important for me to leave where i live because otherwise mm-hmm. all that main that maintenance stuff stretch like when i do a load of washing it's like oh my god it is the point of life just doing washing over <laughs> and over again and then you die and it's like we're just using resources to like wash our clothes why are we doing that but then it's like okay don't do it like wear yeah. disgusting clothes like see and then you realize oh we're social creatures and people don't want to like be near me if i do that but so then it, but then sorry so esther Prowell was saying which i've noticed as well it's like people aren't going to the work to work in the same way since covid it's still this thing of mm. like oh people are only working and what i realized what i think it is is for in this country, it's a lot of people who, um, more senior people who live further away with more space and whatever in the countryside or wherever, and they and it works for them to mm. be not coming in. Mm. But for young people, it's like not. And so Esther Prowl is really arguing this, and I've heard a lot of people arguing this. It's like it is not good for you as a young person to be just at home, like in your pajamas, like doing this job. Yeah. Um, there's so many other, you know, the interactions you have where just like, I had this the other day at the playing tennis. And then I just got talking to this woman who then it turns out she's blah, blah, blah. All these little things happen Mm. where then it helps you move forward with career and what, like those tiny interactions. Um, but Pete, but sorry, Esther Perel's angle. So do you know who Esther Perel is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've read two of her books. I really want to read them. So yeah, she, fantastic. the FT introduced her as the most famous therapist, which I don't know if that, and they're like, and there's not many people who are famous in that field. I'm like, yeah, there are. I need tons of famous therapists. <laughs> You're not reading the same books I'm reading. Um, but yeah, so she's this kind of relationship. Mm. Um, but so she talks about our expectations from relationships that it's like romantic relationships. You put all the pressure on that they have to be stability um, security, but they also have to bring passion, uncertainty, spontaneity. And mm. it's like, 
how are you expecting all of this from one person? From one person, yeah. And she's saying that with the workplace. We're now mm. expecting a job takes care of like all your needs, like your yes. emotional needs, this, 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 this. But, and you're not even going to turn up. Mm-hmm. You're going to sit at home in your pajamas mm-hmm. and expect that your workplace is like... Still t- provides social needs and... And like your mental health and... Yeah. And mental health. Yeah, exactly. And like the right income and... Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. But again, mm-hmm. that's like, I feel like that was controversial to say. But Esther said it. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. She's great. I mean, um, I read The State of Affairs and Mating in Captivity in that order, I think. Yeah, I think Mating in Captivity is the earlier book. Um, but they're both they're both really good. Yeah, highly recommended. Um, yeah, and then the other thing is, because I'm really interested in this question of flourishing or thriving... It, there's a Greek word eudaimonia, which is like the old goal of sort of early philosophy, which was about before it got like kind of abstract and you know distant from people's lives. There was this idea that like philosophy was supposed to improve your life, and like if and that by adopting a philosophy, you would actually like have this kind of worldview, or or like you would know how to live the good life is the other way that eudaimonia is sometimes translated. And so I'm really interested in that question. The early Greeks talk about it. And, you know, Buddhism is about this too. So that was like what we were originally thinking about. And there, yeah, I mean, there's kind of community elements of it, but then a lot of it in Buddhism is like about meditation, right? And so doing, yeah. um, is And it comes back to the category thing. I was thinking about this because... Buddhism is funny because they really like to categorize things up. It's like the, there's this eightfold noble path and the four noble truths and the three characteristics and the, the you know and you know the twelve steps of dependent origination, but like but the, that comes later, right? Yeah, that's not the Buddha. He uh, wasn't saying that stuff. No, the he? Buddha was. Yeah. So the, so in the in the Buddha, there's yeah the four noble truths for sure, three characteristics for sure. Yeah, and and um, eightfold noble path, and. The thing about dependent origination is it's um, in the kind of version that is most commonly taught, it has these 12 steps, but in fact, he talks about it in, with many different numbers of steps. So he, he's not too attached to the categories. And this is the thing that's really interesting about Buddhism is that on the one hand, there even for the Buddha, he always lays out these long lists and things like that. But then, and then sometimes he gets called out on it. So people are like, previously you said there are two types of feeling now you're saying there's three and one time you said there's like 18 and he's like and he's they're like which one is it and he's like like there i think the question it's like that's not the point yeah exactly it's like yeah exactly so i i i feel like the kind of answer he gives this is i'm sure i'm like this is partly me just me thinking it's funny in in my head but they ask him a question like so are there like two types of feeling or three types or 18 types or 36 types? And he's like, yes. <laughs> and it's just like that stuff doesn't matter. And there, I think there is something to that, which is like categories are tools, right? Like making a dichotomy or making a list or making, you know, you know, one of these, like you were talking about the political map or something like that. Like they're ways of framing a question, but they're not the question itself like they actually don't exhaust it and they they don't really like they can be like a handy tool but like you have to like switch tools at different times it's like signposts yeah yeah and it and just like 
it's like the thing about you know if all you have is a hammer then everything looks like a nail or whatever and so if you're always making the same dichotomy like you're just gonna like eventually hit something that you shouldn't have hit with that hammer you know what I mean like mm. and so my that's kind of one of the things that I'm working on now is yeah just about like skillful use of categories because I'm absolutely not saying that we should avoid all use of categories nor am I saying that like it's not a relativist position like basically I'm not saying that everything is just like equally true that even that the idea that if you don't believe in a single objective truth then the only other alternative is like total relativism is like itself a dichotomy that's created by this kind of thinking you know what I mean so like there are lots of alternatives to that and one of them is something that I'm interested very interested in right now it's a branch of philosophy called pragmatism which basically says that truth is less about abstract knowledge or categories or knowledge of universals or something like that and more about like what actually works in the world so it's much more action based and I think yeah that's the kind of position that I'm kind of coming to which is that if it works in the world that's what's important it's actually not important whether it adheres to this kind of like abstract preconception that we have of truth maybe and so the yeah it, it relates to this buddhist thing because like you listen to some of the dependent origination stuff i was doing which is like this complicated thing in buddhism but it's like it's like almost like just different lenses of looking at the same situation almost like different le le levels of abstraction and it's not because every one of those is like exhaustive or you're gonna like pin it down but it actually just changes your way of viewing something yeah. and so which can relieve suffering yeah exactly and that that's buddhism is also kind of falls in this greek er, early thing about the good life because the whole point of it is to li live a be better life like if it doesn't improve your life like why are you doing it you know what i mean and i think we in modernity but maybe just like in the west in like a, over a long period and the west it is itself is only an idea that's about like a hundred years old so this is like a new idea that there is something called the west but like whatever we're in now we if we don't categorize it we have this tendency to like want to know like what's true and like nail it down into these like categories whereas like these older things are like well does that way of thinking like actually make your life better and if it doesn't like why are you doing it you know and i think that kind of understanding of buddhism where he's like look all i care he he says over and over again when they ask him these metaphysical questions like is there a soul like is there not a soul he's like all i care about is suffering and the end of suffering he's like that's the only thing i teach and he says that over and over again to all these kind of questions about like you know is there reincarnation and all these kind of things those things do come later so so um yeah anyway that like i've i guess yeah I'm, I'm really interested in Buddhism and I'm getting more into it again. I kind of came to it five or six years ago through a psychiatrist who was like, maybe you should try meditating. <laughs> and I Amazing. tried meditating and that helped me a lot. And then I learned, I took a few courses and read a few, read quite a few books on Buddhism at that time. But now I'm kind of like in a different phase of that exploration. But I was very curious about, yeah, yeah. What are you going to say? I was going to say, I need to go to the shop. Okay, do it. <laughs> and this is like so perfect yeah. <laughs> for what I said at the start. Mm -hmm. But wait, you should define de dependent origination. Well, I'm going oh, ahead. Yeah. If you want to keep talking. If I want to keep talking. I'll try and do it like as briefly as possible, which is like, 
dependent origination is a set it's a way of understanding something that happens very fast and leads to suffering in our everyday lives so it's uh yeah it's lightning fast it causes suffering and the way the buddha teaches it is like it's almost like detective work to see what's gone wrong in a given situation that leads us to suffer so that may sound abstract but in fact it's in the moment by moment interpretation which is becoming popular only like right now in a few different writers for example lee brasington who with whom i did a meditation retreat like a couple of weeks ago maybe it was a month ago and he was teaching about his book his book is available free online and i think it's called dependent origination and emptiness and delia is back and i can answer any so i basically just said it was i tried to explain what it is which is i'm trying to give give it more appeal which is like it's something that happens really fast and it causes suffering Okay, so I feel like I have an example from today, which is what I said to you. When we met, you said, how did you get here? And I said, I want to tell this story. Okay. So this morning I went there, uh, rail strikes again today, Mm. which just feels like constant. Anyway, I went to get the train and I was talking to someone else who had recorded an episode Mm. for this podcast with, and he, yes, Mm. and he I knew he didn't want to post it for some reason. And I so had this call and I did not expect that actually what he said was he felt like he didn't reveal enough. He felt like he wasn't being fully vulnerable and that actually he'd like to redo it. And he ended Mm. up revealing something really personal. And yeah, I just feel this kind of a broader thing that I feel so privileged you know that like with the easy episode to, mm, to mm, share mm. these personal stories that people trust me with that yes and that that is a very anyway and that's kind of the whole point of this thing because it's like yeah we all experience like it's so awful these things that happen in people's lives yeah yeah and it's not to say that it's not but it's like we all carry this pain mm. and we sometimes don't realize and that and his was like i didn't want to burden with you with it but mm. it's like it's it's like i want to help you unburden yourself Mm, mm, you know or something mm, like mm. anyway so that was that conversation and i was so involved in the conversation that then i just didn't get on the train and i was like oh my god and then there wasn't going to be one for ages because the strikes oh no and in that moment but the same thing could happen right say the train was cancelled yes because that was clearly just my fault so fine but say the train was cancelled and then it's like straight away you can say oh this is so shit like of course this happens to me everything goes wrong nothing mm. works why there strikes rah, rah, rah. like mental proliferation yeah where it like spins out yeah mm-hmm. or i it turned into what ended up happening was i was like okay i'm gonna go this dude i'm gonna get on a bike go here get a coffee from this place that's you know, go to whatever, get a bike to Victoria, get a coffee from this really 
place that has good coffee. So it's like, great, that's a win. Like, wow. and yeah. then it was like getting on the tube ended up being way quicker, um, got, and then ended up coming to Highgate and went through the woods in Highgate, which I'd never been to mm. any, and I had been craving today, um, being in nature and mm. like the sun's out. And it was like these events transpired. So I chose then, and it was a mate when I stepped into the woods, it was just like, I just had this smile. Mm. I probably looked like a crazy person, but I was like, <laughs> there's something just really healing about, I don't know if anyone's struggling with anything right now, it's honestly, if you, have nature accessible to you. I. It sounds mm. like one of those bullshit things that's like, yeah, whatever, drink more no, water. It's so important. But it's it's like, I don't know what it is, but it's like, in. I mean, there's all this science around it. Whatever you can read that if mm. that's your thing. But it's just like, so healing, and in my head it was like, yes, the universe. This is so. This is where my belief thing or faith or something. So it's like. It is easier to believe. Why wouldn't I believe that mm. the universe or God or whatever you want to say, some higher power, fate, whatever, has transpired to lead me mm. to miss that train to then end up here. So I have half an hour in nature unexpectedly, unexpectedly. And so that's like the path of my life. Yes. And so, but then I was thinking then that becomes like, it's like, oh, everything happens for a reason, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, well, how can you explain death or like being abused as a child or like, mm. and it's not because it's not that, because I think that's then where people have trouble with, because, you know, you can say that fine, you missed a train and yes. it was all meant to be. But when someone's in serious pain, it's like, um, how are you meant to say, oh, this was meant to be, mm. but it's not. It's not like that. It's more like... And Brene Brown, I think, says it really well in this podcast. Do you know who she is? The vulnerability yeah. lady. I haven't oh. engaged... I think I try, I think I started one of her books, but... Um, does she, yes, she has a podcast or... Yeah, and she has one of the top five uh, TED Talks, okay. I think, mm-hmm. on how vulnerability is... Um, like, shame is... Yeah, you need vulnerability for connection. Mm. Vulnerability is strength. Mm, mm. This kind, but actually the scientific okay, re- the research backing yeah. up. Mm. So, but she says something. She's like this really smart, who's very like she's Texan, like very mm. not this like fluffy kind of spirituality stuff or whatever. But when mm. she, <laughs> I mean, you know, like something. <laughs> no, it's like so. I feel like I. Have, that's just me saying. I don't know. Trying to the woo stuff. <laughs> yeah, as in trying to just make people com- more comfortable who mm. feel like anyway, whatever. Some people just need data, so it's like yes, she. So she says, someone says to her, "Do you believe like in the in a greater power of the mm. universe or fate or everything's meant to be?" everything whatever happens for a reason and she says i use whatever helps me Mm. at the time like whatever model helps me at the time and i feel like that's what we're talking about the other day the other night it's like if believing in for me believing that the universe has my back literally that was a book i read Mm. that like led me to start thinking this way the universe has your back yeah the universe 
the universe has your back by Gabby Bernstein. Mm. Um, that I read that when I was in such a dark, a d- depths of depression, mm. and it was like, and then uh, yeah, a friend recommended it, and I was like, well, why wouldn't I believe someone? Because I just feel like so helpless and worthless and there's no but so yeah Mm -hmm. okay i'll read something that's telling me that actually someone's got my back Mm -hmm. and then i found it a bit that's why i'm like oh the spiritual because that is more and i got a bit freaked she's actually jewish but it's like talking about like doing prayers and i was like oh this is a bit like what the i don't why am i reading a book about this Mm. um but that's why i'm saying brene brown is like not like Okay, because yeah. you know people need something that they relate, relate to. to if yeah. it freaks them out like mm. saying the word god like freaks some people out Mm-mm. right so yes. it makes me uncomfortable depending what the sense is yes anyway so she so, but it's like okay me having this idea that actually i don't know the meaning you can't find out so like a breakup mm. all these breakups i've been through it's like in the t- it's so painful but it's like if you if i can just believe i'm being supported like i'm not alone i'm being supported by something bigger than me i don't know what it is but and i don't know the meaning but if i can trust in that that will help me get through that pain so why wouldn't i do that yes and this is a view i only learned this in the past few years that this view is sometimes called religious pragmatism which is basically saying if it makes your life better to believe something then you should just believe it you know and so it's a position that so i i have had similar moments like this like both where i got into stuff that i thought was too woo like eckhart tall or tolle or whatever i love him yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah that book was like <laughs> change my life but yeah i'll be scared to say it because i'm like oh people will think people will think that it's a bit too woo or something like that but at some point um a friend of mine who i actually just someone i worked with who i really respected like gave me that book i think power of now and it did change things for me just like i think i was living too much in the future and past and the idea of like just focusing on the present is I mean, in a way, it's what the Buddhists are also recommending. That So we started talking about dependent origination, and that's the understanding that if you're in this state of ignorance, it will lead to suffering. And the opposite of ignorance is what's called sati or mindfulness. And so if you're in this state of mindfulness, suffering can't arise. And, so, and that's kind of what, that's like largely what the power of now is about anyway, right? Which is if you're actually in the now and not allowing this mental proliferation, just like you did this morning right you missed the train you're like okay well now what can i do given that that getting on that train is now over right then i can get a bike and get a coffee and then and then and you stay in the present right and then rather than yeah really why did i beating yourself yes, up like you could have looked in the I'm past or the idiot, future like, like oh now i'm gonna be late or you know or you're in the past of like why didn't i get that train but in fact everything worked out perfectly and yeah, so it, it, it is just being in that state of mindfulness. And then the other, so the, in fact, we're going to do this talk on William James, the will to believe, which is 
also this idea this it's about this question of like is it possible to choose a belief because we seem to have this idea that beliefs are like convictions that come it's almost like they're emotional or something or like like we don't have control over them right like if someone asks about you know do you believe in god or something it seems it's supposed to be not like something you choose to do or not but he's like questioning that and and that questioning goes back to pascal as well there's not just the wager where basically he's sort of um 17th century french philosopher and like he um he has this wager which is like you know if life would if there's like if you just play it like a game right that there could be a god or not be a god and you choose to like live as if there is or as if there is not then and living as if there is makes your life better then shouldn't you just do that because the punishment is so severe if you get it wrong right and there is a god and you didn't adhere to these principles it's a weird like probabilistic like thing and i i think I'm trying to think who there's someone maybe it's even T.S. Eliot who basically says once you get into this category of like taking bets with God you've already like lost the point of faith or whatever um but yeah I don't like that one because that's about fear and this whole school of thought yeah religious pragmatism or (laughs) it's more because then I would say the contrary is true so if you living like believing that something is supporting you and guiding you yes. whatever makes your life better yeah then you should then do that do That's... it but con- on the contrary mm-hmm. like for Ricky Gervais or like Alan de Botton or um who's the other one who like famous atheists mm. um Richard Dawkins or someone if for them their life is better with um thinking that God doesn't exist it's yes. like also they can go for it like, but then wasn't there something about the data shows that? Yeah. So the, you were telling me about another book. Yeah, that was a book by Tanya Lerman. Um, she's an anthropologist, and she studied a bunch of different sort of modern communities. So one was like modern witchcraft and magic and stuff like that. So people who actually do that she was she got interested as an anthropologist about like what do these people actually do like what are their practices and stuff like that and she got involved and ended up doing some of those practices apparently for magic it's a lot of like visualization like meditations so basically it'll be like really intense focusing on the image of a garden growing and you just get better and better at these kind of visualizations and what she says is it does change your life like basically it, it changes the like con- the you way you can make your garden grow quicker no not like that but just that as you get better at visualizing these things you just become happier visualizing what kind of things like so in her case i think she was doing a visualization of a garden growing and the the only thing she was doing was spending like let's say 30 minutes or an hour each day like like a meditation right sitting there just trying to picture it more and more and more accurately and that's like the first step apparently but apparently already just doing that like really changes your experience so you come to appreciate like your senses a lot more which kind of makes sense right and so she what she's saying is that 
like they do these things they say you know and they say there are these results so like as an anthropologist why wouldn't you like believe that what they say is true right which is not that they're making them claims about you know magic spells working or something like that although they might also be making those claims but if they claim just doing this practice makes you happier like what is that practice and what does it do to your brain and so that's kind of her attitude she then went from that i think that was maybe like 20 years ago um to about 10 years ago she was looking at charismatic christians in the states so people who claim to be in constant conversation with god and they she kind of got so i read a book that she wrote about that it's called when god talks back and that was also a very eye-opening thing for me because she was like she opens the book with some kind of argument in fact we might even have the book here in which case we could just read the opening but like basically she says you know if there were a pill that like made you live longer made you less prone to depression made you less prone to addiction less prone to suicide you know improved your marriage improved this the quality of life and all this kind of stuff would you take that pill and everyone says yes and she's like that pill is religion and most people won't take it that's yeah. how matthew walker's how to sleep oh, really? starts as well mm. oh. oh why we sleep why we sleep and it's oh, like yeah. sleep is the magic pill oh interesting yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah that book has faced some criticism i'm aware why um, we sleep yeah just about some of the data and things like that i mean i and i have a little bit of a reaction against it because people are like i i've never been someone that can sleep a long time like i can sleep about five or six hours and then i i, I just can't sleep more i can if i like miss a night of sleep or something then i can sleep like nine ten twelve hours or whatever but like people are always telling me like oh you're not sleeping enough and like i'm like i haven't worked for four years i don't set an alarm and i can't sleep like i you have worked. You just haven't worked. What I mean enough. is, yes, and I, I do get up early and I and I write and I, I have worked very hard. I guess what I mean is I haven't had a job yeah. like where I had, I needed to be somewhere at a certain time. And I still get up at like, you know, it, it varies on the day, but like 6, 7 a.m. And I start start doing stuff, you know. And if I definitely do sometimes have too little sleep or whatever, but, but the whole idea of like, Oh, you should always sleep eight hours or something that always annoyed me because I can't sleep eight hours. Like, like I can, but only if I'm really tired, you know what I mean? And that someone wrote a kind of critique of this book, which is like, there's a lot more variability in how much people need. And so the idea that, you know, most people are not getting enough is not necessarily true. It might be true for some people, but it's not like a, universal prescription that always sleeping more is better or something like that someone i wrote about why we sleep in a newsletter mainly it's just like great confirmation bias of me being a night owl mm-hmm. and it's like this is a chronotype it's in your dna oh i so see interesting i just love that but someone when i was um said i was going to talk about it, someone's like you need to listen to this podcast that like um yeah rips it apart oh really okay, but they yeah. started by criticizing him for being like a conventionally attractive white male <laughs> and i was like yeah i can't <laughs> listen to people who start their critique of like we no shouldn't listen like. to this person based on yeah their like the demographic they're from or something mm. so lerman's thing actually kind of changed my life too because she thinks that there's this thing called the telogen absorption scale and it's basically like a psychological test for how easy how easily 
do you become absorbed in an activity? It probably relates to the flow state stuff, but it's also like, like the questions are things like, if you hear noises, like, do you sometimes make it into music? Do you get sort of lost in thought? Like, do you, you know, and there, there's like a bunch of different things, but basically what's interesting about, so, so this is in how God becomes, no, sorry. Her more recent book is called How God Becomes Real, and that is also excellent. That's a much more, it's a much broader thing about what she's learned over the last 20 years. But the earlier one is called When God Talks Back, and that's, I think it's 2012. And so she talks to all these people, and it looks like basically just prayer or constant attempts to speak to a God, like, produces differences in your experience, and which is pretty much what religious people have always said that it makes your life better. But it feels like in our kind of modern culture, it's gotten very wrapped up in this question of belief, which I actually think is kind of a distraction. Like, why, like, why does it matter what we believe? You know, like, it, it comes back to that, you know, pragmatism. You know, it comes back to this issue of like, if you, if it makes your life better, you might as well believe it. Right. And so like why what I get hung up on is why do people care whether beliefs are true, quote unquote, like are beliefs even the thing that we should think of as true or false? Or should we think of them more as like useful or not useful? And that kind of relates back to my pragmatism thing, which is like if I believe, oh, I should, you know, if I read the Matthew Walker book and I'm like, oh, I should actually go to bed earlier and then I go to bed earlier and it makes my life better then great. Like job done. You know, like if I read the book and it stresses me out because I'm like oh, it's saying I need to sleep eight hours and I can never seem to do that because I wake up naturally earlier and I feel fine, but I must be there must be something wrong with me because I didn't sleep long enough, then not great. You know what I mean? Like, and which is like not, to, which is kind of a claim that it doesn't really matter whether what he's saying is true or not. It's like, just like, you know, is does it Im- improve things for people, you know? And that's what happened to, yeah, this friend, I think he then, it wasn't good for him because he became too yeah, aware anxious too, yeah. about and so that's not that's not good yes but whereas mine that improved that like had a positive impact on my life because it's like yay now i can you know tell my dad or whoever think implies that i'm lazy for not waking up at 6 a.m right that it's like there's this genetic thing and it's like it doesn't even matter if that's true do you yes, know what i mean yes. as in because i'm yes, not writing a paper on it yeah, it's exactly. just like this is my thing of, I don't know. And that's what I find with so many of these books. And I just wish people knew that. Oh, that's mm. something that I want to do as well in the world is like for education. It's like mm. not everything that's written is true. Obviously, mm. it's like we're all humans. Like everything that's going on, these are systems that humans made. Like you're a human as well. Mm-mm. No human, like the person leading this country, they're a human. They're not perfect. Yes. And we need to so that's where it's like critical thinking and you know the ability to figure stuff out Mm. on your own and i don't know that's the whole thing yeah and humility somehow just thinking sometimes we just don't know maybe can't know and that being okay in that position of uncertainty you know which i think is something that has to be kind of practiced and and learned the yeah the lerman how God becomes real is fantastic. I haven't finished it yet, but um, the basic the basic thing is that she's saying in the kind of modern West we get really hung up on this belief thing. So we think, 
of what religion is about is a set of beliefs and if we can show that those beliefs are wrong then those people are like stupid or wrong in some way where she's like that's not what's going on in religion like in religion if you do this action it makes your life better so like in a way it doesn't matter what you believe this is a a point that um Taleb makes in in anti-fragile which is basically over the last hundred years our explanation of why exercise is good for you has changed like 10 times it's like oh it's because of cardiovascular health or it's because of like micro tears in your muscles which like makes them stronger or it's like you know because god rewards hard work or something like that and like none of those beliefs like if those beliefs cause you to do exercise then great but like people have been motivated by like 10 different forms of explanation over just a hundred years and so that's to say nothing of the last three thousand five thousand hundred thousand years when it will have changed like unmeasurably over that amount of time well that's another thing that i realized about humans same with the like build like constantly building stuff it's like constantly finding stuff it's like because now for exercise, it's like, these are the hormones. And some of the stuff we're talking about, I'm like, look at the data. Like, mm-hmm. why is it good to go in nature? Blah, blah, blah. This hormone in your brain. Mm-hmm. And it's like humans, we're obsessed with like, we need to understand every single little thing and like mm-hmm. label stuff. Like the whole of biology. It's like, this is called this. It's like, okay, a human came up with that yes. recently. Yes. And we've discovered it. But it's like, it's kind of like missing the point. That's why I feel like or going back to like Stoicism or Buddhism. It's like... Mm these things like cool you can go around labeling every single thing that doesn't help i mean yeah it helps people have better like obviously medicine helps Mm. like the quality of people's lives it's not saying that but it's like there's no end you know it's like finding the atom and it's like this is the smallest possible thing and Mm. it's like oh no there's stuff inside me now (laughs) but it's like it's like kind of missing some point yes like some bigger thing than all of that Mm. yeah like bigger picture kind of thing the yeah the i mean in defense of categories i mean like of course the dichotomy of control in stoicism you know basically saying stuff you can control stuff you can't control that's a category you know and the and dependent origination is like this long process of like okay in order for there to be suffering there's these 11 other things that had to happen and so it is this like breaking everything down into categories but at the same time like there's a question it's like those categories are not exhaustive and they're not like they're just they're just there to like allow you to do something right it's not that they're fundamentally true in some way i kind of feel like western philosophy and theology and christianity and science which i think are all much close more closely related than people commonly think that they are was kind of about this process of searching for certainty and safety and this understanding that if we just get nailed down all these like sort of categories then that will like then we'll be safe which is the same thing as like wanting to build something to feel like we've then fixed a problem you know what i mean which is that it's a very human desire i'm all for you know feeling secure and feeling safe and feeling like we're making progress and stuff like that like it's clearly a core important human thing but sometimes it might be better to see it as that rather than seeing it as a kind of final destination after which all problems will 
go evaporate or whatever because you know if you look at any period of history more than like you know a lifetime then you'll quickly see that these there's constantly these attempts to solve problems finally and it's not that it never happens i mean there are diseases that have been eradicated and things like that like it occasionally happens but in most cases that's not the kind of problem you know problems are not subject to that you know solution that that you you never have to do anything again or whatever and then that comes back to the idea that we need problems to because doing nothing oh my god there was this book i saw and i was thinking about when you were talking about this earlier in an airport i love airport bookshops mm. so much because they really tell you what people what care like, about yeah mm. and like what the masses care about and there was this book it was in the airport in singapore Changi airport and it was something like why we're happiest when we're striving mm. something like that was like the tagline and i can't remember what the book was called but it's like that's the thing coming back to you know bomb up but yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> i mean but so it's like we need to be strive you know it's like the journey not the destination blah 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 but it's like mm. you're happiest when you're yeah this is why we invent these things like golf and whatever um we can't if there's nothing to do that people say that they're like i just want to earn loads of money so I can retire early. It's like, why do you want to do, like, what are you going to do? do when you retire? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's like, it's so, but it's like, try that. Or if I just get this promotion or if I just get this like next thing, there's a kind of built in sense of like, then I can rest or then I'll be happy or, you know. Yeah. But like, you need to do that stuff now because yeah, that's never going to, that's like being in the present. Mm. But it's also, well, I think it's like, try it. Go do not, as I, you know, try strip everything away from your life. Mm. It's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) And it wouldn't be fun. It's like, oh, even, well, then it's like fear, like financial security, whatever. But Mm. even if you like go and talk to someone who has millions and does nothing, like they're not going to be a happy person. Like Mm. fulfill, I, I don't think happy is the right word. I think, yeah, this is all, like, we're Satisfied. talking about a fulfilled life. Yeah. Which people... A good people, life, flourishing, Yeah, driving. the good life. Yeah. People have... Satisfaction. Because people have this problem with the self-help industry that they're like, why, you know, people are obsessed with improving yourself and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I think the people who think that probably don't have some of the issues that we have yes. with, like, <laughs> suffering. And it's like, okay, that's great, but it's like some people, like... <laughs> need some help figuring yeah. it out or it's even a therapist said that because i got really stuck in this like what's the point like i need mm. to know the point like what's the meaning of everything and she was like there's no meaning <laughs> but i <laughs> she was like no there's no there's no meaning this is <laughs> this is it but but she could see like i wasn't satisfied with that and she's yes. like okay if you you're really you're ruminating on this like you're really stuck in this like negative spiral of thoughts about like what's the point and now you feel like stuff's meaningless and then you can't get out of bed you need to apply the problem solving lens Mm -hmm. so go out and ask a question to sit down with a pen and paper here's the problem what's the meaning Mm -hmm. now how do i investigate this 
And then that's a productive use of energy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing when people criticize the self-help industry. My version of this is like, I'm trying to, I'm struggling with this problem. So I'm reading all these books to try and say like, oh, what does this person think about this? Is that helping me? Like, oh yeah, that's Mm -hmm. so interesting because now I've got all these ideas and let's have a conversation and we're figuring, you know, this isn't, it's like, this is a productive use of, yeah, because it's like Mm -hmm. we've met our needs of eating and stuff, but we're suffering. Yes, we're still suffering. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I feel the way you do. I mean, I've had friends who are, you know, where I, when I, I've had a few periods where I've gotten really into meditation and then they're like, why are you doing this? You know? And I'm like, it's about suffering. And then they're, they're like, you know, even when I tell them basic things like, you know, in Buddhism, there's this understanding that suffering comes from desire. And so, you know, and I, I like talk them through like the basic tense of Buddhism. They're like, that means like nothing to me. And I'm like, you're probably not suffering then. Like you probably don't need this, you know? And so I don't think that it's like, oh, everyone needs to meditate. It's like, if you're already like living a life that you're pretty satisfied with, then you probably don't need self-help books or meditation or all these other like kinds of things that we get up to. And I think there's like a kind of healthy, there is a level of cynicism, which I sometimes share about the self-help stuff. Like I should say that I totally read self-help books and I, I, have benefited from a lot of them. So I don't think that they're all just like nonsense, but I guess there is a kind of maybe cynicism that I hear from some of my friends about people profiting from what promises to be like some miracle cure where it never kind of is, you know, like as in it still requires you to work and it, you know, anything that's going to make a difference is like not going to be that easy. Whereas like, I think what they object to is like some of the marketing or the way that, some self-help is presented i don't know but that's not really my view it's more just something that i've heard yeah but anything worth doing that comes back it's like yeah there's no magic like what do you want all the problems that's not mm. it's like choosing the problem that's what he talks about in subtle art of not giving a fuck mm. like choosing the problems you want to have because right. it's like but um but this is my stroke with the self-help thing okay so someone might Someone might genuinely believe... Okay, part of it, I think, is cultural. Like, I relate self-help with, like, being American, for okay. example. Yeah, yeah. So... That's another... Yeah. So, and it's, to. like, marketing and stuff... The way stuff works in the US is different to, mm. from a cultural perspective mm-hmm. to how it is here and in other countries. And that's fine. It's, like, a different culture. But um, I... So... I think someone might genuinely, this thing might have changed their life. Like, you know, I can be like, oh my God, I was so depressed. Like me being like, I was really depressed searching and then I listened to podcasts and heard people's stories and this is like, this will really help you if you listen to stories. Mm. Like I could, but I know life's more complicated and the solution's not going to be the same for everyone. But some people don't necessarily know that. Or like when I started therapy and I was like, everyone needs to do therapy therapy is the best thing but now i know no therapy isn't the best thing for everyone (laughs) and you know it's more complicated but so i think some of that is someone might genuinely think their book is gonna save everyone's life Mm -mm. so and maybe you need to have a belief like that in order to write it because books take a really long time to write yeah maybe but then the other thing is with the category of self-help what does that even mean like 
is Marcus yeah, Aurelius meditations like is that self you know because yeah, it's like exactly. with philo- there's so many crossovers yeah. it's Are like the Buddhist suttas self help is the New Testament self help like, yeah what? it's like is anyone saying here's how you can like well yeah. I will say the gospels are pretty clear that they, they think they've got this new thing and and it's a really good idea you know <laughs> so there are there are moments in, in some of these texts where they, they really think they're onto something and maybe they are you know but yeah I feel like it, it's another category that people because I felt so uncomfortable um, you know people people say stuff like ugh I've never read a book like that or mm. it's some kind of shame thing but it's like Contempt prior to investigation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's the same with um, wellness. Like, people use it as a kind of derogatory... I don't know if that's the right word. Like, self-help no. to kind of say, like, a superior... Like, I'm better yes. than this. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with, like, oh, wellness is harmful because it's anti-science or something right. like... And then... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I've struggled with that, like, of being like, oh my God, this is cringe that I've... But I feel like that's the same with me saying, oh, I met this person who was worked for this political person. That so takes away from, no, that person really helped me and I think she's awesome. Mm. And it's the same with, like, Eckhart Tolle, like, that book changed my life. Mm. So it's like me being like, oh, Eckhart Tolle. It's like, that's not being true to myself and also... You know, but it's scared. But and then I think that's being like, well, no one will ever fully understand me, and it's like being okay with we're all complex, and I like what I like. Mm. I, you know, I was telling you I had a Five Guys milkshake with bacon last night. <laughs> I love that. Now and I kind of want to have one. <laughs> I have been tempted. I've never been brave enough when I'm there to actually oh, ask for the bacon. They're so good. <laughs> Okay, but that's not something I'm really ashamed of. I think I'm pretty cool You're for pretty, drinking that. You're pretty proud of that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Well, there will be vegans listening who object to. Oh, I'm sure there's a ve- I'm sure there's a vegan milkshake with. You know, I tried being vegan for two weeks, and I it was so unhealthy because I just found all these fast food vegan places and was mm. just eating like a burger and a milkshake every like a vegan version of vegan burger, was, vegan milkshake. Yeah. Mm. Um, I feel like okay. I feel like we there's so much more we can talk about. But yeah. Have you said everything? Have we? I think so. Because I would love to have another conversation. More about Buddhism. About well, about because <laughs> I was then going to talk about the thing of religion, mm. how people with the belief thing, how there are a lot of people, and this is what I found. Because I wanted to tell you about my experience with Buddhism in. Um, in India, India yeah, in Ladakha, like kind of region where there's a lot of Tibetan, um, or I guess they're like second generation Tibetan now. Mm. Um, but anyway, um, but it's this idea that there are re- this deep, this stuff is not, you don't necessarily find it mm. in the temples or mm-hmm. in church like go to church mm. how many of those people sitting there believe like deeply believe mm. that they're being guided or have the have had some spiritual experience like maybe the proportions the same as in the general population right but going somewhere is a practice and 
they may have other practice not you know not everyone who goes to a buddhist temple or whatever actually does formal meditation or something like that they're both practices but i i guess my kind of what i what has come to be my position is like if it causes you to do something and that thing helps you and makes your life better then that's what matters so like the practice of if you go to church and going to church makes you feel better then you should just go to church right yeah because there are other benefits like community blah 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 maybe you get a sense of belonging well and those may be yeah I mean I don't think there's a reason to make a claim about the whole issue is about God or something like like you know just if you want to do it like now it sounds like the hippie thing of like if it feels good just do it or something like that which is like the opposite of what I think but you know what I mean like well but then there's all the harmful stuff that comes yes, out of religion like, yeah. mm-hmm. so then that's a whole nother conversation yeah shall we leave it there yeah <laughs> you look uncomfortable yeah my back's starting to okay. <laughs>